0: We have two main topics today. The first one is about Chalitza, and the second one is about eating terumah. So the Mishnah mentioned that uh, if a man accuses his wife and she becomes a Sota, and then uh, before the process is finished, he dies without children, uh, leaving a surviving brother. That surviving brother may not do yibum, uh, he must do Halitza. So, we're going to ask why they name Why not? Um, yes, yeah, so, okay. She when she becomes a sota, she's prohibited to her husband, but now he died. And so, why can't she go to Yibum and uphold the name of the deceased, right? And, uh, and go ahead and be married to the brother. Now, we're going to learn it from this context in Devarim. Uh, let's look at it. This is a context about uh, a divorce and the prohibition against remarrying after divorce. Um, if they if uh, a wife is, uh, marries in between. In other words, like this, um, if some, uh, a man marries a woman and This is the key. This is why we're using this context and connecting it to sota, Because this first husband divorced his wife because of some kind of Arvat Davar. He found some kind of uh, sexual impropriety. So let's assume that's like Sota and sent and gave her a get and sent her out and then she goes via Sami Beto she leaves the first husband and she goes and marries a different person a different person altogether ish and so that's the key that we're that we're doing just to fill out the context if the second husband um, ends up not liking her and divorces her she cannot go back to the first husband right um, if there was nobody in between then yeah if they're not a kohen um, someone a couple can get divorced and then they make up they can get remarried but if she marries someone else in the meantime she cannot go back to her first husband okay so from this law here we have the case of sota and she goes and marries someone else so we learn from that this yes she can marry someone else another man not related but she cannot marry the avam that's how we learn it Abaya asks Rav Yosef, "Hold on. If she's not permitted to marry her brother-in-law, the Avam, then they should not require chalisa either. All right? Chalisa is when usually when there's an option somehow an option to do yibum, but they refuse. So he does chalisa instead. But if there's a prohibition and not allowed to do yibum." then she he should be off the hook and not have to do Khalisa either um, amaled avyosef answers and Yosef answers that wait a second if the husband was alive even though she's a sota status and they're not allowed to be living together Nevertheless, she she requires a get. Right? Even though she's a sota, she can't remarry somebody else until she until she gets a get. Therefore, their marriage is still a, a living bond, and therefore, when the husband dies, the yibum will there will be a zikah of yibum. Yes, they're not allowed to go through with yibum because of that derasha. But just like the husband would still have to give a get, certainly. The Yavam would have to do Halisa in order for her to go and remarry. All right, that's all one version of the discussion. We're going to see two more versions um, of the discussion between Rav Yosef and Abaye. All three versions are very similar. Just uh, slight different nuances in how exactly their argument goes. Rachamana um, amar, viasami beto, Quoting the same pasuk. She must leave her home. What does that mean? Why should she have to leave her home? So that his house not be destroyed by continuing to be with this wife. In other words, the first husband... Who saw Elvatavad. Let's assume that's a sota. He sees this woman is problematic. She is not faithful, so she must leave her home uh, because this is uh, this is, she's, uh, um, uh, she's a she's a dangerous uh, influence in the home. And now you're going to tell me she should go do yibum and you know uphold the name of the deceased, stay within the family? No, we don't want to her hear it all. So we're focusing on the vietsa mi beto, and so if she has to leave her husband, so certainly we don't want her to with the yabam either. Okay she to if that's the case, if she is such a, a, a improper woman and cannot be trusted, then we she should not be able to marry anyone, even a someone who's not related at all. Right? She's a tistere, a homewrecker. So don't let her marry anybody at all. No, mi alé It's different. Are we forcing anybody to marry against his will? It's different from the Yavam. The Yavam in general, in a regular case, has an obligation, right? It's a mitzvah, and we shame him if he doesn't do it. Okay, so for the Yavam who has an obligation, we're gonna say, Listen, Yavam, you don't have a obligation. She's a homewrecker. Don't do it, right? So we advise that we advise the Yavam to do Halitza. That's fine. Where, but if it's a third party, uh, we're assuming everybody knows, small villages, everybody knows what's going on, right? So some other guy, knowing her past, he decides he's going to marry her, so we don't have to stop her from marrying anybody in the world. That's his decision. He thinks that, um, you know, he could, for some reason, have a good relationship and build a nice family. Okay, good luck to him. But we're not going to force a Yavam. Uh, uh, to do it and therefore the Yibum is off the table do khalitzah that's second third version of this of the discussion between the same two sages de mi Rav Yosef says the source for this law is from that same Pasuk which calls the second husband acher, meaning a foreigner, very separate. No, it doesn't call him the second husband, it calls him another man. Like you say, Elohim acherim. It's a derogatory term. Uh, What's bad, what's foreign about him? He is not the peer of the first husband. Um, They're not uh, not, uh, on equal status. How do you know that? Because look, the first husband sends away this wicked woman from his home, and the second husband says, "I'll take her." What kind of man does that, right? Why would he take a uh, a, a, a woman who is uh, now no, has a bad reputation? Um, and so, uh, so therefore, since the second per, second husband, in the context of Devarim that's talking about a uh, first husband that sees Ervat Tavar and calls the second husband a uh, lowlife, basically. So would you say that he has an obligation to do ye boom? right? If uh, the second husband is a lowlife, why are we are not going to make it a misfat for someone? Very similar to the previous version of Rav Yosef. Okay. Amar le'abaye, Ela umet banim, lo asks a question. What if you have a case like in that in that Torah in, Deva, in the case of Devarim where the, her first husband has sees a problem with her divorces she marries a second guy and then let's say the second husband dies without children so would you say um, and but the second guy she was faithful totally there's no problems with the second marriage would you say that um, the the brother of the second husband cannot do yibum because uh, it calls the second husband akher. He is a low life, and now, right? The the yavam is going to be a low life marrying this wicked woman. Would you say that that's not that's not the law? Right? There's no halacha like that. We only say that. The first husband, uh, can, uh, if he dies, his brother cannot do yibum. That's the law of sota. Once uh, she's sota, she doesn't do yibum. But what's there out of the picture? She's married to a second guy. And there was never a problem, not a sota with the second guy. So there's no law like that. She does do yibum with the second guy's husband, her uh, second guy's uh, brother. So why don't you apply the same thing that he's called wicked so don't don't um be in place of that wicked person and take this um uh this w- wicked wife no gabe de miha no it's different regarding with the second husband she lived properly and a good name and a good reputation right so she fixed her image so uh, that's totally fine uh so therefore everything makes sense regarding the first husband where the first husband had reason to suspect her and kicked her out of the house and she's a wicked woman and so who would marry her only in a so we're not going to put the first husband's brother in that place and tell him you have to be mr Ahed and marry a wicked woman so therefore for the first husband no but once she gets married and she has a proper relationship without any suspicion at all and that second husband should die then she can do ye boom now she has a turns over a new leaf um from that point on Okay, good. That all is three versions of Rav Yosef. And now we're going to see another answer altogether by Rava. Amar, If she is prohibited from he who is permitted to her, meaning her husband, right? Her husband was permitted to her. They got married Had a beautiful wedding and everything. Um, but then she, she was a sota and became prohibited to him. So if the husband who was permitted totally now became prohibited out of, because of the sota law, the brother in law who is generally prohibited, right, that's one of the adayot. If they have children uh, or, you know, in, in, a, in a standard case, um, while, while the husband is alive then the, their husband's brother is prohibited. So, for someone who is in g- generally one of the Adayot, all the more so, now that she became a sota, it's going to be totally prohibited. Okay, so Adava makes sense. This is just a basic kavachom. If she can't be with her husband, then uh, certainly she can't go and marry her husband's brother, which is much more difficult to permit. The whole law of yibum is a special exception to Adayot. So, we're not going to make the special exception when she can't even be with her husband. Okay, Amar the Abayei. Abayei is challenging everybody today. Ella meata kohen gadol kidesh et almana umet. V'yesh lo ach kohen hediot lo tichabem im nezra b'mutal la barzula lokol says, I'm going to give you a kavav chomer that's similar to your kavav chomer, but that leads to an absurd conclusion, an untrue conclusion, and so therefore. I'm going to reject your challenge, your Kava And so here's Abayez Kava According to you, right, uh, based on your, your own logic, let's say a Kohen Gadol does Kiddushin with an Almana. Kohen Gadol is not allowed to be with an Almana. A regular Kohen can, but not a Kohen Gadol. They do Kiddushin anyway. Even though it's prohibited, the Kiddushin does work. It is hal. And then that Kohen Gadol dies, without children, and he has a brother, and the brother is going to do yibum, but this brother is Kohen Hediot, and the Kohen Hediot is allowed to marry an almana. Um, so the law is that this Kohen brother would be permitted to do yibum, without a, there's no problem with that. He's not going gadol, um, but according to your logic you should say a kava and not allowed since if she becomes prohibited to he who is generally permitted to her her husband so the brother-in-law who is generally adayot all the more so should not do you and why don't i apply the same logic you see your kava is going to lead to false conclusions. Now we ask about this. Abaye Ne esra ha mutarla asurla hu. What do you mean when you say that im um, ne esra ba mutarla, referring to the kohen gadol with an almana, that it, she becomes ne She became. Prohibited by uh, by 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 what um, by marrying him? Asiravakayma, they were forbidden the whole time, right? There, that's, that's a forbidden relation. When they're single, it's a forbidden relation. What do you mean, mutalla? With permitted, that that they were permitted? No, they were forbidden. Uh, that's a fundamental forbidden relationship, right? This is not similar to the case of sota, where a husband and wife are permitted, very good nice couple, and then during the marriage she becomes prohibited as a sota. That's when uh, he made the kavachomid. But here, they this uh, the for the couple, the first couple, kohen gadol, is printed from damana from even before they were married. So you can't say that kavachomid. So rather, we're going to. Uh, change the change the case of the challenge uh so let's see how this uh this is also a, a similar kava that's going to lead to a false conclusion but this one fits the logic better. You have um, a a wife of a Kohen, so they're perfectly, we're happily married, no problem with that marriage, but this wife tragically is raped during the marriage. The law is that if uh, uh, someone is married to a Kohen, even though she's raped, she didn't do anything wrong, she's still prohibited to a Kohen. That's just the way it is. Okay. Um, And then he dies without children. So at that point, this wife is prohibited to her husband. He dies without children, but so she's going to fall to Yibum to the brother. Now, this brother is a halal, right? He's an illegitimate a kohen and a halal kohen is allowed to marry such a woman so uh, really the halakha should be that it's permitted but according to your logic no you should say no don't do yibum because if she became prohibited this is now is become because she was permitted to her husband she became prohibited at the point of rape and now she's no longer uh, uh, allowed to live with her husband so all the more so basurla to the brother-in-law who is one of the adayot. all the more so she should be forbidden Now this kavachomid leads to a false conclusion. So what are you going to do about this? Uh, and we answer on israel leka isura. So no, you can't compare sota, which is a universal law. Anyone who is a sota is going to be prohibited to her husband. Doesn't matter if they're kohen or israel or anything. So that's a universal law here. Um, uh, it, it, here, the uh, case of Ones is not a universal law. If a wife of a Yisrael is raped, she's permitted to remain with her husband. So Ones v. Yisrael is permitted, and regard and with regard to um, this person, the Halal, also there is no prohibition. So we're not going to say that um, just because she became prohibited to her husband because her husband is a special category of Kohen. That doesn't. We don't apply that kavachomer to a brother who, for whom that prohibition does not apply, right? That's a specific prohibition only to the husband, and so uh, that doesn't jump over the logic of the kavachomer to someone to whom that prohibition does not apply whereas the uh, concept of sota applies to everyone equally and so only there yes it does make sense uh so we support avaz Kavachomid in the end um, it, make, it does make sense to say that if a sota is prohibited to her husband then um, and she he originally was permitted so since that sota concept applies um, equally to the uh, surviving brother um, then the surviving brother also should not Will not be able to do Yibum. Okay, that ends, the, um, that ends that with the first Mishnah. And now we get to the next one. At the very end of the previous Mishnah, did mention that Sota is no longer allowed to eat if she is a Yis- Bat Yisrael and she's married to Kohen. So, while they're married, he, she uh, depends on him for her food, for her sustenance. If he's a kohen, the permission to, to eat Teduma transfers to all of his dependents, and certainly including his wife. But that's only as long as they are living together. But now, they have to separate, and so she, she cannot eat teruma anymore while she's a sota. If she drinks and she's uh, innocent, then she can go back. Okay. Now we're, now we're going to list a few more cases of women who are, who are prohibited from eating tiruma because of some kind of uh, 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 suspect, suspect, because they're suspect of adultery and they can't be with their husbands. Let's say a woman admits that she is guilty. She comes home. Uh, I, I was unfaithful. Uh, so, that's it. They have to separate. They cannot eat tirumah. We did see a different opinion back in the Darim that says, we don't always trust what a woman is saying. You know, just because she admitted to adultery, maybe she's making it up uh, because she wants a divorce. But it's not necessarily true. Okay. So this, uh, But this Mishnah here, we're assuming that um, uh, she is believed. Or witnesses came and said, we saw her sin. Okay, once they saw her sin, well, then, that's uh, she's a zonah, and uh, uh, she, she's com- she committed adultery. Uh, worse, and uh, so she'll certainly have to separate and cannot eat teruma. We're going to focus on this line in the discussion of the gemara. This is like seems so obvious, right? Of course, if two witnesses came, right? That's like the that's the classic case of adultery. Okay, or a case of sota. Now we already saw once she becomes a sota, she is not, she can't eat teruma anymore. In some cases of a sota, she can drink and she'll be okay. But in other cases, she can choose to plead the fifth. She says, "I don't want to drink the sota." Now, it could be because she's guilty and she's afraid of what's going to happen. It could be she's innocent and she doesn't want to go through with the ordeal because it's very shameful, and she's oh, I'm not. I'm not going through with that, or she's just scared of it, even if she's innocent. It's just like a scary thing, and so a woman can say, "Listen, I'm not going to. I'm not going to drink, and if that means I'm going to stay in my state as a sota." And be separated and not eat t'romah, so that will be, uh, she won't be able to eat t'romah forever. That's something in common in these cases that she remains, she won't be able to eat t'romah forever. Or the last two cases, when the husband does something, uh, the husband says, I don't want you to drink. Okay, this, is, uh, this husband is, is flip-flopping, right? At fir- first, he's angry at his wife. He suspects her. He makes her a sota, right? He brings witnesses, everything, and he uh, engages the sota uh, status. But then he kind of feels bad. He says, I don't want my wife to be all publicly shamed. And that. no, I don't want her to drink. So now, that, now she's kind of stuck because she's a sota and she can't prove her innocence by drinking. Um, but anyway, in that case, she's not. She since she can't drink, but she is sota. She can't have teruma. And also, if her husband is with her on the way, once she's sota, she's not. They're not allowed to be together. If the husband violates that and is uh, intimate with his wife um after she's sota it says on the way like you know while they're traveling to jerusalem but you know it could be anywhere anytime then it's prohibited because the sota only uh, is effective if he is innocent and only she is guilty but at this point he is sinning also cuz he's even though it's with his wife he's not allowed to be with his wife and in that case um uh, the so she can't drink the sota waters and uh, to prove her innocence either because he did something wrong and so, but she stole a sota, and so she, she, she is prohibited from teruma. Okay, that's the Mishnah. All right, the entire Gemara is going to focus on this Chidush of Rav Sheshat. So remember, this is Rav Sheshat's rule. We're going to have a lot of questions, challenges to it. Rav Shashat reports that Rav Shashat taught us the following law and it opened our eyes to the Mishnah. Right, there's a line in the Mishnah, that line that I mentioned, that's obvious. Um, now, we said before Peshita, but now we're going to understand the significance of that line based on Rav Shashat's new teaching. He says, If there's a sota and there are witnesses that saw her sin, but they're not around in this country, they're somewhere in a different country. That means we probably don't even know about them. Um, But they saw, and then they went away on a trip, in that case, if she drinks the Sota waters, will not be effective. In other words, you have a woman who is guilty, and she's going to drink, and nothing will happen, because there are witnesses elsewhere. The Sota waters will only work in a case where, um, that's no one knows, right, and it's complete doubt, and then the Sota waters do their magic and um, uh, decide for us. But if it's known even if it's not known to us in the bet it's not known to the husband, um, there's no local witnesses, but someone knows, then it doesn't work. Now, we don't necessarily know that there even are witnesses somewhere else, um, which means that um, if the sota waters don't do anything, we will presume innocence, but if witnesses come one day uh, back and say, Oh, listen, uh, we went away, but actually you know, beforehand we saw her sin, uh, then we'll know that she is in fact guilty. Okay, uh, the point of this law may be that we don't want the Sotah waters to be falsifi- falsifiable. Um, because let's say she drinks and nothing happens, and then the witnesses come back. What are we going to do? Are we going to say the win- two, two witnesses, oh, you're wrong, you're lying because you took the Sotah waters? Uh, Sotah water is so powerful that they're going to go against the number one 100% proof throughout the Torah of two witnesses. So that's a problem. We don't want to do that. And therefore, we say, listen, two witnesses. If they ever should come in the future, you will be guilty. And we're fine to say that the sota waters don't work precisely because it is known somewhere in the world. Okay, my tama. What's the source? nistera ba regarding sota says um, that the husband didn't know and nistera she was secluded and she became tameh. And there was no no witness, no one knows about it. There is no not only that there's no witness that came to court, there is no witness in existence. And, but this excludes a case where there's two witnesses in some other country, that they know about it. If it's known by anyone, sota Waters won't work. Okay, now that's what Rav Sheshat said, that's his Chidush. We're going to talk about it a lot. And here's how it relates to the Mishnah. And so in the Mishnah, it says that line that one of the cases of someone who doesn't get to eat, who's not allowed to eat Terumah, is a woman where two witnesses came and said, you sinned. Now, when did these witnesses come? If they came before she drank... Um, the Sota waters. Well, then that's a, just a classic case of zona. By zona they mean a confirmed adulteress, right? This is um, simply, you know, Ten Commandments, um, and so she she would just have you know have all the consequences of someone who commits adultery, uh, including, of course, uh, not eating Terumah and much worse. So that can't be. That's what we're talking about. That's too. That's of course as obvious. Rather, it must be she already drank, nothing happened to her, so we presume now she is innocent, she's not a sota anymore, and now the witnesses come. Now, what will be the consequences if for the witnesses coming after sota? If you say that sota waters are not effective when there are witnesses, that's why we accept the witnesses when they come. But if you say that the water, sota waters are effective, even when there are witnesses who are in a different country, well then, we would not accept the witnesses, and we would say it's now revealed retroactively that these witnesses. Are false because she drank the Sota waters. Sota waters proved her innocent. Therefore, she is innocent, and these witnesses who came from uh, from who knows where must be false. We don't say that in this very Mishnah. That's why the Mishnah puts that line in, right? It would be obvious if witnesses came before she drank. Of course she's a zonah. But rather, I'm talking about a case of after she drinks, and yet those witnesses will make her prohibited to drink tirumah. means they are believed. They are believed even after the sotah waters did nothing. That proves that sotah waters are ineffective when witnesses are in existence. Okay, beautiful. Now, Amala Rav Yosef Rav Yosef is going to challenge Rav Sheshat and says, No, not necessarily. kimota veha emor tolaba. I can actually say that the waters are effective even when there 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 are witnesses out there, the waters are effective, and one can say that uh, zechut tola la. This is a very important uh, um, uh, concept. Uh, it's so important that it's in the it's in the Mishnah coming up in the third pedic, um, that describes, first it describes what happens to her. Um, she, By the time before even she finishes drinking, if she's guilty, her face turns green, her eyes bulge, uh, veins protrude, and they say take her out so she doesn't make the courtyard impure. Okay. However, if she's let's say she's a meritorious woman, Um, okay, even though she's guilty of committing adultery, so she's not the the greatest sadeket in the world, but let's say she also did a lot of chesed, a lot of mitzvot, and she has a lot of merits otherwise. Well, that merit will make the uh, the punishment be delayed. Will delay the punishment. Sometimes for a year, sometimes two years, sometimes even three years. Okay, so that's the, uh, uh, that's the Mishnah over there. So now that we know that there is such a concept that um, Zichut may delay something, so uh, it could be that a woman will drink, Nothing will happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's innocent. It could be that she is guilty, but she has merit, and that's why nothing happens right away. So, therefore, Rav Yosef says even if there are witnesses elsewhere, um, I, he, he thinks that witnesses being elsewhere may, it doesn't mean that the uh, water is not effective. The, so uh, the uh, Sota waters are effective even if there are witnesses elsewhere. And so when the Mishnah talks about a case where witnesses come after she drank, wait a second, but if witnesses came after she drank, obviously she's innocent, right? Not necessarily, because she has merit, right? So it could very well be that uh, it would work, the sotah waters would work, even though there are witnesses outside, um, and if she had no merit, then she would blow up. And the reason why she she doesn't blow up is because she has merit. And when the witnesses come, um, uh, she, uh, in the meantime, right, she would have blown up after at a year. Uh, but the witnesses come in six months, and so the witnesses say, "Listen, uh, I know the one that would, the the uh, waters didn't do anything yet, but they will. Um, and we declare her her guilty. So she is guilty." Okay. Now that's Rav Yosef's position. Now, b'may kamipalgei, what's at the root of their machloket between Rav Sheshet and Rav Yosef? B'mit navenad Rebbe Datan, Rebbe Omer zehu tola b'mayim hamarim ve'na yoledet ve'na meshaba meshbashat ela mit ve'holechet le'sof shehmeta be'otam mita. Um, at root or parallel to their machloket between Rav Sheshat, who said that my um, uh, mesotah are not effective if there are witnesses in existence, and Rav Yosef, who says that the sotah waters are effective even if there are um, witnesses in existence, that will depend on the, uh, the, teri- the, the, the deterioration opinion that the expresses. In the very next Mishnah, in the third pedic, it quotes the opinion of Debi who says that in a case where she has merit, and therefore the merit will delay the punishment, this is how it works. Right away, she won't be able to give birth, but she's not going to improve her condition. In fact, the opposite, she's going to start deteriorating immediately and deteriorate more progressively until at the end she will die, the same blowing up death that a sota gets. So the B says her merit just helps her in that it delays the final punishment. Right? And so she has no merit. She dies right away. Because of her great merit she gets to suffer progressively until she gets the same awful death. Um, okay, I guess that's still a little bit better than uh, dying right away. Okay, that's the opinion of Rabbi. Now, it doesn't say whether anyone disagrees or disagrees with Rabbi. And so this is the machloket between Rav Sheshat and Av Yosef. In other words, to, in order to maintain their opinion, they're going to have to say something about Rabbi's machloket. Rav Sheshat Ben Rabbi, Ben Rabanan Havia Mit Rav Sheshat is going to assume that everyone agrees with the B uh, that she deteriorates slowly. That means that as soon as she drinks the sota water, if she is guilty, even if she has merit, you'll be able to tell right away. She may not die right away, but immediately you'll see her already starting to get this, uh, get a little bit disfigured. And so we would know she's guilty. Therefore, if she nothing happens to her and she doesn't start to be to deteriorate, then we know she is innocent. And if there is witnesses that come from elsewhere and say after she drank can't come and say she's guilty, we have to assume that they are wrong. Um, uh, if they, if we would, if they would be, if the so, uh, mesota would be effective. Therefore, Rav Shishat says no, it can't be. Uh, if there are witnesses elsewhere, then the sota waters don't work, right? Because otherwise we would know right away. So when, when the witnesses come afterwards and say, listen, she was guilty, then we'll know, oh, you know why the sota waters didn't work and it didn't start right away? Uh, because there were external witnesses and now that they came, we believe the witnesses. That's Rav Sheshat's opinion. Rav Yosef Sabad Rabbi Havya Mitnah Rav Yosef says no. This is the opinion only of bee that she begins to to deteriorate immediately. According to the rest of the rabbis they would disagree with bee, and they say no there's no immediate deterioration Uh, rather if she has enough merit for one year then she's totally fine and then in one year all of a sudden she uh, poof. Um, So therefore right when she drinks it's not apparent whether she is guilty or not. We're going to assume that she is innocent until, you know, if, in case, uh, we'll see if something happens. Uh, that's, therefore, we can say, Rav Yosef can say, that the sotal waters are effective, even if there are external witnesses. And so what happens if external witnesses come in six months and nothing happened with those Sota waters? We can still believe them. And we'll say, wait a bit, wait a minute. But Sotawaters waters didn't work. Oh, that's because of she has she has merit. And you'll see in a few in a few months from now, if the witnesses hadn't come, she would have blown up anyway. Um, so that's why the sota waters didn't do anything because of her merit. But um, the uh, if not for the merit, then the sota waters would have worked. Um, and therefore, uh, as if the witnesses come before the sota waters take effect, we believe the witnesses, and that's the basis of Rav Yosef. Okay, good. So now that we figured out that Machloket, we're going to have another challenge against Rav Sheshat. So um, also, in consequence of the Mishnah we, saw, we just quoted in the third paddock, uh there is one opinion that says there's such a thing as Zichut Tola, that the merit will delay her punishment but Abishimon disagrees and says no such thing as merit delaying the punishment if she's guilty is going to work right away no matter what um, and here's Rabbi Shimon's proof. If you would say that there is merit that delays, then you are weakening the bitter, the water, the, the sota water, before anyone who drinks it. Here we see a key to why what the whole sota is is all about. The main goal of the sota water is not that she should drink it, but rather that she should be afraid of drinking it and therefore uh, admit guilt that if she's guilty she'll admit guilt rather than go through the scary process and potentially blowing up and uh, public shaming Um, so the whole thing is so that it should be a deterrent so that she will admit guilt but if you teach people, and if it's true, right, it's interesting that Abishimon is is deciding his uh, uh, his position on what will work best, you know, in uh, uh, to uh, to convince people to admit if they're guilty, right? Um, so he says, listen, if there is such a thing as merit. Uh, that will delay. Then women won't be scared to drink, uh, because they'll say, "Listen, I know I'm guilty, right? But I have some merit, so you know what? I'll drink, and nothing bad will happen to me. I won't be publicly shamed. I'll be okay." And so we don't. Want people to think we want it to be as scary as possible, and therefore can't be that there is merit. A further problem of your merit, theory, your merit uh, uh, proposition, is that you are causing, a, you're defaming women who drank and nothing happened to them, right? We thought all along that, um, uh, according to Rabbi Shimon, if you don't say anything about merit, once a woman drinks and nothing happens to her, she is good to go, right? We say we proved it; she's tahar But now, according to your theory of merit will say, I, she drank and nothing happened. But the people, the suspicious of her, will say, oh, maybe she just has merit, but in a year, then she'll blow up. Then if she's not totally cleared. People are going to still say negative rumors about her. That's a terrible thing. And so be Shimon says, I don't like this whole idea of, of uh, there being merit. Okay, that's what the Mishnah says of Rabbi, regarding Shimon's opinion. Now, vim ita, if you are, if, you, if this is right, You'll have the same problem, the second problem that he said, that if you say that anyone who has witnesses, um, that exists in the next and in another country the 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 waters the sota waters are not effective well then if a woman drinks and nothing happens rather than say okay she's innocent everybody will star will be gossiping and say oh i think she's still guilty but you know why it didn't work because there's witnesses in that country and then yeah one day they'll come and you'll see she's actually. Uh, guilty, right? We'd rather have it be a final thing, it's a yes or no, uh, without any, uh, without anything else. Okay, so you see, according to the Bishimon, and his his logic here, his concern, that would certainly mean that Sotah waters are effective no matter what, even if there are witnesses elsewhere. That's a challenge to Rav Sheshat. And the answer is the kamat the la edim na'mel No, that's only according to the Bishimon, right? For, uh, for according to the Bishimon, he also says that merit doesn't delay punishment. So he also says that witnesses uh, don't delay it either. Um, that uh, the the water, waters work no matter what, but that's the only opinion of Rabbi Shimon. We're talking about according to everybody else. Rav Sheshat is giving his opinion according to the other rabbis. Most of the rabbis who think that there is uh, zechut tola, and they're not worried about this thing that people will say. Right? People are gonna if they see that she's uh, she's she's uh, she drank and nothing happened, people will assume the best. bativ Rav, another challenge to Rav Sheshat by Rav. We have a, a Mishnah here that says the following people that their sota uh, sota brings a korban mincha right before she drinks she has to bring korban mincha and uh, that prepares the way. However, in the following two cases, the Mincha offering has to be burnt because it's no good. It can't be used. So we have to burn it. Two cases are, Uh, The cases where, well, we'll see exactly the chronology in a second, but uh, they're preparing this, uh, the Mincha, and then she admits, I'm guilty." So they're not going to go ahead with the sota waters. Since I'm not going to go ahead with the sota waters, we don't need her Korban Mincha anymore. So you can't use it and you can't just take it back home because it's holy already. Uh, so therefore you have to burn it. Or if witnesses come, Right, right then, as we're preparing it, witnesses come and she, she, say she is guilty, so that's it, she, does, we don't, she doesn't have to drink anymore, so we abort the process. Even though we abort the process, the Mincha is already holy, so you can't just take it back home, it has to be burnt. And the Bet mikdash. Okay, that to Edim emat. Now, this these witnesses. Exactly when did they come? Tik Dush tepuk leholin. If they came before the, uh, this is barley that she brings. If it's before they became holy, um, uh, right? We didn't put them yet in the in the vessel of the the Bet a uh, holy vessel. So then, oh, the witnesses came. Okay, bought the process. Where's the barley? We didn't make it holy yet. Fine, then let it be Cholin, take it home and eat it tomorrow. Have some oatmeal. Ella de Bata le bata de kadush, rather, it must be that the barley already was sanctified, meaning it was placed in the sacrificial vessel. If you say, like Rav Yosef's opinion, that the the Sotah waters are effective, even though there are witnesses. We know there are witnesses because they're about to come, and uh, that they are effective. Therefore, this this, uh, barley is worthy of being sanctified. Because she is going to go ahead. If let's say the witnesses are still away, they're in Brazil, right, on vacation, and they 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 haven't they haven't come, and let's say they're not going to come, uh, then well she can go ahead with the sota waters because they're going to be effective, and that means the mincha offering is a is a good offering, and therefore they become it becomes holy when put in the vessel, and it's going to be offered vechi kadosh kadosh. And when they were sanctified, they were validly sanctified that's why when the witnesses come after the barley is sanctified, it was sanctified in a val- validly so it really is sanctified but now that the witnesses come, she doesn't have to drink the waters anymore, so now we've the process, we're not going to continue with the mincha offering so we have to burn it because it was sacrificed, so all that makes sense according to Rav Yosef but now if you say that the Sota waters are not effective when there are witnesses elsewhere then once the witnesses come it is revealed to us retroactively that when we put the barley in the bowl it was a mistake The whole thing, the whole sanctification, was an error because the Sota waters were uh, themselves going to be ineffective. She is not; uh, she cannot drink the Sota waters. The whole process is not a real process if there are witnesses elsewhere, and therefore, even though we put it in the in the holy vessel, but if you just take put something in a holy vessel for no reason, it was not a valid process to begin with. Then take it back home; it doesn't actually become holy, and therefore. Um, this is a challenge because the Mishnah said that it does become holy and you do have to burn it even when the witnesses come afterwards. Uh, so you see, this is a challenge to Rav Sheshat. Okay, Amar Rav kegon ba'azara dechi kadush kadosh. Rav says, I can still explain the Mishnah even according to Rav Sheshat's opinion. It's talking about where she committed adultery in the courtyard. After she brought the barley, so and there were and the witnesses that come are for that adultery that happens afterwards. So the chronology is like this: actually, she was innocent the whole time beforehand, and the husband accused her, of made a sota. She comes, she brings her barley offering. The kohanim they put the the barley in ace in the sanctified vessel. At that point, this will work. This, she is a bat sota, right? Um, and even if she's innocent, but she the, the process of testimony um, when. A, went ahead <clears throat> um, and she was secluded with a guy but she never sinned with the guy so she will be able to drink and now the barley was put in there and uh, this is going to be a valid ceremony so the barley is legitimately holy um however at that point after that point i don't know how she finds someone in the courtyard of the bed of the betta mikdash where she is and she sins commits adultery with them and the witnesses see her and then the witnesses come and at that point no longer would do we need to drink, and that's the that's the and then that's why we have to burn it. That's the case that Rav Sheshat could say this Mishnah is talking about. Right? Okay, um, I guess it's possible. Rav Torah says, now that's impossible that she would sin while on the courtyard because Right, we, that we we are gonna learn that when the husband comes and brings her to the bet midrash, and then the young kohanim they guard her. Right, they want to make sure nothing happens. They want to make sure she's not with her husband, and or with anybody else. And so, if you have the guards there, so it can't be. How could she possibly then commit adultery uh, while, uh, at that point? And the answer is well, as maybe one of those young priests they're supposed to be guarding her. But maybe they give it. They get themselves gave into temptation. All right, Who's gonna guard the guards? You need to guard for the guard for the guards. Um. Okay. And so maybe she did in fact sin. And then someone. Uh, th- those are the witnesses. That's what we're talking about. Lavashia says no, no. Leave the leave the kohen young kohanim alone. We we can trust them. Uh, Rather, it's talking about that she had to go to the bathroom. Right? Uh. What do you think? The do they lock her up? in a cell that she can't be in private, she says, oh, let's not have to go to the bathroom. She so like, says, okay, fine. They go to, She goes to the bathroom. While she goes to the bathroom, she finds a way to commit adultery. So that's a different possibility that that's what we're talking about. Okay, so this is pretty unlikely. And so papa wants to go back to the original answer. papa says, I'm going to go back and answer that challenge um, that we had from before, um, that Rav, uh, from, uh, from Rav, right, all the way back here. And um, this, uh, and you asked. So the question was, if you have, um, uh, R- R- Papa's going to answer. If you have this uh, holy, and when did the witnesses come? They came after you put the the barley in. Um, and these are witnesses that were around the whole time. And so, therefore, according to that, since the witnesses were around, uh, but they were just away, uh, therefore, she never the sota waters would be ineffective. And therefore, once the witnesses come, turns out retroactively that she never was gonna, these sota waters were gonna be ineffective. That barley that you put in the vessel was actually chulin, and therefore um, it never became kadosh. So you shouldn't have to burn it. So that papa says that what you said, um, what you asked, well, let it be chulin. Uh, Why do you have to burn it? My answer is. The burning is only midrabanan. It's a gezerah because if people see, oh, look, they took this barley from the sota, they put it into the vessel, and then after the witnesses came, uh, they took it out and took it back home and ate it for oatmeal tomorrow. and People are going to see that and say, oh, I guess even if it's in a vessel and you don't need it anymore, you can take it back home, but in general, that's not the that 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 law is not true. In general, if once you put it in, if it's a, if it's a valid Qurban, uh, and only later it turns out that it's not needed, um, in general you have to burn it. And people will see this and take see you take it home, and they'll um, they'll think that that's the law. That in other cases also um, you can take it home, and it's chol, even though in those most other cases it's actually. Um, has to be burnt. So Rapapa says really this whole Mishnah is only midra banan, and that's a simpler answer than saying that the, one of the young Kohanim who was guarding her himself sinned with her. Okay, that's Rapapa's Papa's answer. We're going to challenge Rapapa's Papa's answer from a long baraita. So we're going to see the question all the way at the end of the baraita. Mativ Rav Mari Nitmet Minchata Let's say um, uh, a woman has a Korban Mincha, a sota woman, and it becomes Tameh. What are you going to do with it? Well, if it didn't become kadosh, you didn't put it in the kli, uh, in the in the vessel of the Bet Hamikdash yet. Um, then it's like any other mincha offering in which case it can, can be redeemed, right? You redeem the monetary value and you bring other uh, um, uh, uh, grain instead. That's tahor. If it already went into the vessel and became kadosh, then it's like all other menachot, and you have to burn it. Kadash hakomets. Now, when you do what you, what you do is you put it in the vessel, and then the kohen takes a, a fistful. Right, and that fistful will be offered on the mizbeach. Kadasha kometz. So, if he already did that, and then that became holy, ve'lo he le le'akrivah ad chemet who or ad he harehi kechol And so, he takes the kometz, but he didn't offer it on on the mizbeach, and in the me- yet he didn't do it yet, and in the meantime. Either the husband died or the wife died. Now if one of them dies, then you don't go through with the rest of the sotah. So now you have this this uh, holy uh, barley and the comets that's supposed to be on the Bit HaMikdash and there's not going to be any sota ceremony. So what do you do? It's like all other menachot that no longer can be used; you burn it. However, if you finished the whole process of the mincha and you already took that kometz and you put it on the mizbeach, and at that point. Um, and at that point, usually the Qanim can eat the leftovers of the of the barley. But let's say they didn't eat it yet; right, so the leftovers are still sitting there, and the husband dies or she dies, and now they're not going to go through with the drinking of the sotal waters. In that case, it's like the same the same law with other menachot, and it still can be eaten, even though no one's going to drink the sotal waters. Nevertheless, that Qurban was a valid Qurban. Why? Because the korban in the first place only came as a doubt. We're not sure if she is guilty. Could very well be she was innocent the whole time. But nevertheless, this is a type of korban that comes for that comes because of someone that we don't know. It's like an asham talui, right? You bring that asham because precisely because you're in doubt. So in this case, okay, it turns out she's not drinking the sota water, but we only brought it um in doubt in the first place. And um, it did its job. It's kippera. It atoned for the uncertainty, right? And it was uncertain. And then now it it, it fulfilled its uh, its job. And at the next step, had they been alive, she would uh, she would drink. But it's not. But we finished the we the we finished the korban. It did its job, and therefore the kohanim can go ahead and eat it. All this is not necessary for our question. Here's the the end of the Blayta. If witnesses come and say she is guilty, then um, the the meal offering has to be burnt. Or, uh, however, if the witnesses, meaning the original witnesses that came, that saw her secluded, they turn out to be Edim Zomimin, right? Other witnesses come and say, you couldn't have seen her being secluded on Tuesday because you were with us in a baseball game in Boston. And turns out that she was never a Sotah to begin with. In that case, that meal offering she brought is Holin, take it back home. Even if you put it in the vessel, it's nothing because she was never a Sotah to begin with. That's the Braita. Our question is from this last phrase. You see, when the Adims Zahar then it turns out she was never a Sotata at all. At all. So you take this flower, you take this barley, and it goes back to Cholin. According to the Papa, in exact similar case that we saw before, even though technically, midoraita it's Cholin, because uh, never the sota water is never going to be effective. Over there, Rav the Papa said, we say Midarabanan, we should make it Gezera, because it looks like it, it's effective, and you've already put it in the vessel, so we don't want people to make a mistake. So therefore it should be burnt. But over here, right, when it's not gonna it's not effective, because she was never a sota, here you say Hulin, why don't if it's the banan, then although there's no reason for it to be uh burnt here, why don't you say here as well and burn it? And the has a simple answer in the case of conspiring witnesses that has a lot of publicity everybody says, this is a good story did you hear those witnesses that came they weren't even there they were in a baseball game in florida the whole thing was was false and since everybody knows that everybody will know that that barley that they put in the and that vessel was never never became sanctified by being put in the vessel because there was no case of sota at all. So since everybody knows that, no one's going to come to make a mistake and say, "Oh, look, they take uh, they took a uh, holy uh, uh, grain and uh, and they took it back home." No, they'll know in a, in another case um, that if it actually becomes holy, then they have to burn it. And so that answers adaf papa. Okay, even though, until now, we've been giving, giving Rav Sheshat a very hard time, asking him a lot of questions, in the end we're going to show that there actually is a Braita that supports Rav Sheshat. Um, tanya Rav Sheshat Velav it supports Rav Sheshat, but not, re- not based on his reasoning, based on a different pasuk. Not the one that not the not his source. Uh here's the Pasuk Tehora Velo Sheshla Edim Beminatayam. Utorah velosha tatala zehut he velosheis u vi tenuba mozrot ba levana. We're learning it from this pasuk here um that says if she was not guilty, vimlo nitmea ha'isha isha utorahi vini keta venizra zara. If after she drinks, uh after she drinks, if she had been innocent the whole time. Um, so it says lonitmea, and it says Utora. You see that there's, there's a, a doubling here, extra words. Once you say lonitmea, then you don't have to, have to say utora hi, and also both of these are extra. We're also going to learn from the extra vav. Utora hi. So there's three things to learn from. Uh, then uh, she will be unharmed, and she will actually um, have seed, and she will be able to become pregnant. Okay, so what what are these extra words utorahi, according to this braita, tehora means that the sota waters are uh, all are not effective if there are te, um uh, witnesses overseas. So yes, if she's innocent, right then she will bear child. But the extra words come and say, "Hold on. Only if she is totally Tehora, really tehorah, then she'll have a child. Um, but not if there were witnesses overseas. Then, even though nothing happened with the water, uh, she's not actually um, innocent, and uh, she then you, she will not have child. So that's what we learned from this that uh, the." Sota waters don't work if there are witnesses elsewhere. You see, the Breita this supports this is exactly the, the the lesson, the law of Rav Sheshat, and here the Breita backs him up. Okay, good. U Torah veloshetalta la zehut. From the extra vav, we will learn that the sota waters will not be effective, at least not immediately, if she has merit they will be delayed. So you see this, um, this will uh, go against um, what we saw before in the name of Rebi Shimon. We're going to ask about that in a second. And the word he, extra word, If the weavers in the moonlight are discussing her, these are women who are up in the middle of the night and they're weaving and gossiping the whole night, and if they are talking about this woman, in other words, it's kind of, kind of common knowledge by the gossipers um, that everybody knows that she is uh, guilty, this woman, as she committed adultery, if it's really public knowledge, then also the sota waters may not work, and it doesn't mean that she is innocent. Okay, this is an interesting braita, because it means that the sotah ceremony is not quite falsifiable, right? There are many different excuses to, for why it may not work, and not, even nothing will happen, even if she is actually guilty. Um, and one of them is when everybody knows that she's guilty, then it won't work. Okay, anyway, you see here a support for Rav Sheshat, and one last point. Okay, I understand Rabbi Shimon, he doesn't. he doesn't have to learn anything from a Vav, right? Now everybody learns, uh, learns Halachot from an extra Vav, but everybody does learn from an extra word, so for the extra Vav, we know the Shimon doesn't have the concept of merit uh, um, uh, delaying punishment for her, so fine, he's gonna you're not gonna have that. But what about this, uh, the Tehorah, right? What are we gonna do with that? Even the Shimon will have to agree that we have that word there. So he, uh, although before we said the Shimon may disagree, but he was saying, look, this it's a braita, The shimon's Otana also, but you have this word in the, you have this word, uh, tehora, Um And therefore, uh, Rabbi Shimon should agree that the sota waters are not effective if there are witnesses elsewhere. And now we're going to bring up the question we had before. You, according to Rabbi Shimon, you were worried that if there's an out, if there's an excuse, then people will suspect a woman of being guilty even after the sota, even after nothing happens when she drinks. And so if you say that, um when there are witnesses in Brazil, the Sota waters won't work won't work, right? And now we just prove that this is a a true law from a Braita. then we're gonna have a problem because if a woman goes and drinks and nothing happens, still there'll be people that would say she's really guilty, but there must be witnesses in Brazil. And uh what are you gonna do with that? It'll be Shimon, cause you were worried about that? And we answered, La Shechicha, it's not common. How common is it that there were witnesses that saw it and they went to a different country? People didn't travel so much. Um, and if they were really saw it, they would come and they uh, while they were home and they would say something about it. So it's not common that we did this whole process and then all of a sudden, right, some t- months later, witnesses will come and, and say we saw it. Since it's so uncommon, therefore, it's not a problem of Moshi Shemra, Um, people will see if she drinks it and nothing happens everyone will say she's innocent they're not going to worry about that far fetched thing. Where on the other hand, regarding the merit, uh, everyone may have merit, right? Most people uh, do a lot of good deeds. And so, therefore, that is a problem of people will say, oh, nothing happened. She's still guilty, but she had some merit. And, you know, just wait a year. Um, so, that, Rabbi Shimon didn't like that idea. So, he rejected the concept of merit um, can suspend. But he could be totally fine with this halacha of that if there are witnesses elsewhere, then the sotah waters are not affected. ובardocha דוניאל לעולם, amen ve